Good morning. I thought I might clarify a little bit, one little, one little thing. On the work day, Carol and Emily were working and got into some of the storage areas un- underneath in the basement down here and determined we have a lot of things that have been sitting there for years, wait a minute, decades that uh, haven't been used in years and years and years. And so what they would like everybody to do, if you have anything in the storage areas that have been there that you've used in the past but have forgotten about, they're not touching the classrooms. So don't worry about your stuff in the classrooms. That's not what they're, uh, they're working on. Uh, so if you know of anything that's in any of those storage areas that you know you brought up and think, oh, yeah, I need to get that out, those are the things they're looking for. If you have any questions on it, see Carol or Emily, and they can clarify. Did I get pretty close on that? That work. All right. This. So I didn't want any teachers panicking about their classrooms because I know y'all probably think, "Oh, I got to grab my stuff because somebody's going to get in there and not end up on bother your stuff." Uh, you can chase them down if they do. Well, maybe chase down Emily. Carol doesn't want to be chased. Before we before we get into our lesson this morning, let's have our prayer together, please. Father, our God and our Creator, You are deserving of all glory and praise and honor. The more we realize who You are, Your majesty and Your power, the more we realize all that You've done for us. Hearts are overwhelmed with thoughts of glorifying you. And it's through our words, through our lives, through our hearts that we want you to be honored always. And Father, we ask for your help knowing that you give it. That today and each day that follows, Father, you'll help us to learn and to grow. You help us to see what we carry within our hearts. That you'll help us to change where we need to change. That we're grateful, Father, that in this life we have hope because of your Son. For through Jesus we pray. Amen. Several years ago, ago, we uh, had a Sunday where we talked about secrets. And it was, it was a Sunday where we passed out cards and folks had the opportunity to write down things that they had carried that they hadn't said or that they were carrying around in their hearts. And we gathered those all up. The elders prayed over them, looked at them. And I got to looking at some of those and realized, you know, there's something about secrets that we forget. Because when you have something that you have in your life that you struggle with, it's so very easy to feel like you're the only one struggling with that, that you're all alone in it. This card, well, I've turned around to see it. If you can't read it, I'm assuming this is a, a woman who wrote it, said, I was so afraid someone would recognize my handwriting on my post secret that I asked a complete stranger on the bus to physically write it. When I said my secret, she didn't write it. She looked up at me and said, me too, with tears welling in her eyes. 
And there's, there's a truth in that, that when we struggle, when we have problems in our eyes, when we have things going on, the truth is we're not alone. And I, when we look back and at the, the things that were written all those years ago, I would I guarantee there are there are themes, there are repetitions that come out and show how much we're alike in the things that we struggle with in general. And and that's what I want us to look at this morning. And, and actually, we've got another two or three sermons after this because they fell into categories. I want us to, to think about those categories and those secrets that we may hold that we feel like we've, we've, got to, we've got to struggle with these all by ourselves when that's not the truth. In, in a way, I think we struggle like uh, Gideon. You know, the Midianites had, uh, were overrunning Israel and just... In fact, there was so much, they, they wiped them out that, you know, the people were having to hide. In fact, Gideon's threshing wheat in a, a wine press to keep the wheat that he has from being taken away by the Midianites. And God shows up and says, you know, God's with you. And he goes, if God's with us, how come all this is going on? Don't, don't you love when folks back then would ask questions honestly of what they felt of God? And so then the God tells him, go in the strength you have. And saved Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon says. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And, and I think that phrase right there is one that so many of us can, can relate to. That we, when we look in the mirror, when we look at ourselves, when we look at our lives, what we see is not someone who's capable and able and able to overcome all kinds of things. What we see is where we lack and how we are the least and we're not enough in all that goes on. And we, we see that and we think there's just no way. That God may call us say, hey, right, we know there are things God wants us to do. There are things that we want to do in life, things that we have the intention of doing. But then we look at our own abilities and say, there's no way I can. I am not enough for any of that. And so when, because of that, that, that is a, a secret that was repeated over and over again. That feeling of not enough. That I'm not enough as like I ought to be. I'm not where I should be. And so we have that measure. And, and the thing about not enough is that any of us who wrestle with that feeling of not enough can tell exactly why they're not enough. True? They will say clearly, I'm not, I'm not a good enough parent. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not smart enough. There, all these things that come up, we are able to lay out perfectly why we're not enough. And it, it makes sense, and we put it together to be able to say, this is why I fall short in all of that. Now, some of the, some of the things that were told, here, there's some common themes that go, went on. We had somebody mention that they, they weren't a good enough parent. Y'all hear the not enough? Somebody else says, I don't teach my children about God in our daily lives. You hear the not enough? How about as a father, I've not studied the Bible enough with my family. Not enough. And that, that wrestling with, with being a, a parent and not, not being enough, not what we ought to be, where we ought to be. And we look around us and we think, that's not, that's not who I am. I see these folks that are just tearing it up and being the best moms and dads there ever were. And I am not that. I, am, I haven't been enough. I haven't done enough. I'm not where I ought to be. Uh, somebody else said, I struggle to say I'm sorry. I'm not enough. I'm not able to do what ought to be. My time is not spent wisely. I need to budget my time. I'm not enough. I don't do it right. 
And so on and on we see that picture. And the, the struggle with not enough is that, especially in these, if you listen to these confessions, if you le- listen to these c- expressions, what it says is, if I'm not this, if I'm not a mom or a dad who spends all their time making sure their kids get everything they ought to have and, and just everything and busy, busy, and they have all this stuff, then I'm not worthy as a parent. I'm not worthy of who I ought to be. If I'm not, if I'm not able to be who I ought to be, if I'm not enough in, in life, then we feel like we're not worthy of love. We're not worthy of what we are place in life. We're not worthy of anything. We just feel like we're, we're not enough in that. We don't measure up. Another common refrain. Now, let's see if you can catch the theme in this one. I don't study the Bible as I should. I need to study the Bible more. I don't read the Bible enough. Y'all hear the commonality there? How many of us say, you know, I'm just not enough in what I do in my study? Or, Or how about I don't pray enough? I'm not enough. And what I, what I know I ought to be doing, I'm not enough. I always have good intentions, but don't follow through very often. How many of us started out in January to read through the Bible through the year, and we, we've already given up because Leviticus is just a mess? I'm not a, I should be able to do that, right? And I'm not, I'm not doing what I ought to uh, I just don't do it. I have good intentions, but I don't get there. I'm lazy about doing what God wants me to do. Now, there's a whole lot wrapped up in there, but uh, do you hear the not enough? How about, uh, I'm afraid that I'm not, uh, I mistyped that one, a good person to people sometimes. I think that's what it said. I struggle to be a godly person on a daily basis. I don't always show Jesus in my actions. There it is again. I'm not enough. I'm not what I ought to be. Over and over again. I need to dedicate time and energy to advancing the gospel on a daily basis. I haven't been enough. And in, in these, what, what we hear is the not enough is if I'm not, if I'm not reading my Bible at least 30 minutes every day, if I'm not praying every morning and every night and all through the day, if I'm, if I'm not telling every person I meet about Jesus, if I'm not, then I am not really committed to God. Y'all hear that in that not enough? And we've set a standard that says you have to do this. And if you're not doing this, are you really being faithful to God? And many of us look at our lives and go, I'm, I'm not doing that. I, I struggle to do this. And so we feel like we're not really committed to God as we ought to be. <clears throat> Another area. I'm afraid God will leave me while I'm working on changing my life. If I falter or when I falter. That's a scary sentence to to believe, isn't it? How about, uh, I'm scared I don't follow God's word the way I should. Now this is more than just I don't read the Bible enough. It's like the scared, the fear of what what is and, and what ought to be. The struggle with trusting God and his plan. And when, we look at, when you look at these, I think the sentiment is, if I'm not, if I'm not living up to this standard, if I'm not doing everything just right, if I struggle 
If I sin, God won't want me. See, that, that not enough really digs down deep. Because ultimately what we end up looking at is, is believing that we have to be at least as good as this level, close to perfect, for God to even want anything to have to do with us. And so because I'm not enough, because I'm not this, I'm not that, then I'm not worthy, I'm not committed, I'm not wanted. And so when we feel not enough, it's very easy to continue down that path and feel like there's just no hope. Because if you're already not enough and you're not, you're not worthy of anything that may be provided, that you've shown that you're not really committed to God, that you're not really wanted by God in the first place, then it's, it's hard for us to find a way of hope. And so we'll start in January trying hard to do something different. Or we recommit ourselves at some point, so I'm going to be different. And then we struggle and find ourselves in the same spot again. And we feel not enough again. Over and over. But you know what we find when, when you dig down underneath the feeling of not enough? If we peeled back those layers of our doubts about ourselves our struggles about what we've got going on, what do we find underneath it? Galatians 2.14, I think, expresses that. Here, Paul's pointing out Peter's sin in front of everybody because everybody else was doing about the same thing. He says, I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? See, that, that last sentence that he says, what, he, what he's basing it on says, this is what you're doing. But what you're doing is not in line with the truth of the gospel. And so when we, when we get the idea of, of feeling not enough, the reality is underneath it is there some lie that we believe that doesn't match up with the truth of the gospel. Because in all of these areas, all these things that go on, we are not, if we believe what God says, we'll realize that there's something that we're missing about because we're feeling not enough. Something that we're not really catching on to that God wants us to catch on to because we start to believe things that aren't true about all these things. So some of those things. There are some things that we'll say that we say innocently, but the reality is that they, they aren't based on what Scripture says. And sometimes when we talk about giving, you can't outgive God. Have you all ever heard that one? I know, I know we have. Is that from Scripture or is that something we say? Does God expect us to outgive Him or try? But if we feel like we have to, we have to meet some standard that... You know, you can't outgive God, so you have to do more. And when you have to do more, we never feel like we're enough. Or the idea that whatever, whatever God wants done, we need to be doing it. And it's like, is that what God has said? And when we look at the, there's so many others that we'll start to believe and we'll listen to them and we'll think about this is what that means. And we feel short of what is expected of us or what ought to be. So I think what we need to look at is what the truth is. What is it that God says? And I think one of the things we have to remember is that the standard is not more. The standard is not more. You are not measured in life by being more than you are right now. 
So you give what you've decided to. Well, here I'm going to get. I've got some verses coming up. You just you, you give what you've decided to give. More isn't necessarily the standard of saying you should be giving more. It's like, what has God said about that? God judges us based upon where you are right now. And so, um, oh, oh, here. When you read the Bible more, here we go. That's that's the one I was thinking about. When you think about that, when we struggle about, I don't read the Bible enough. I don't pray enough. But part of the problem we have to realize is that all of us are so different and in different parts in lives than our lives. And I've mentioned before, if if I said everybody needs to get up at four o'clock in the morning and read their Bible and pray, how many of you all have already decided there is no way this is going to work? But I can make you feel guilty if you don't. Well, some of you. See, the thing about reading the Bible isn't fitting yourself to fit into this box so you can do it right. If we want to make the Word of God more of our lives, what we do is we find the tools that that help us to make it part part of our lives, more of our lives. And so if you're not... Now, this is a foreign concept to me. If you look at my office, you know I love to read. But if you're not somebody who loves to read, the idea of sitting down and reading... Maybe a challenge for you, but you know, we are blessed because we have been given so many tools that if you're, if you're in a vehicle all day long at work, off and on, and, and we have audio now where you can listen to God's Word and make that part of your day. What you do is you find the tools that make it possible for you to, to be able to get into the Word of God. Sometimes what we have to do is to find the translation that we, if you sit down and you say, I can't, it's hard for me to understand it because there's so many these and those. It's like find a translation that you can read. The goal is understanding. So you find the tools. Some of y'all, it, it, it's a strange thing that there are people who are made not to get up early in the morning. And there's just not teenagers. There's adults the same way. So don't. Set aside early in the morning to read the Bible if you're not an early morning person. You put it where it fits you. And so that idea of standard isn't an expectation that you've got to be something you're not. It's you have to be who you are today. Where has God put you in life? Where have you come from? Where are you now? That's the expectation that God has of you. Not something down the line. Who are you today? What are you able to do today? And there's God's expectation of us. So um, one of those verses says in Matthew 25, talking about in, in the uh, talents, the bags of gold, he, the master calls in. He's about to go on a journey. So he calls his servants to them and trusts his wealth to them. He says to one, he gave five bags of gold to another two bags and to another one bag. Now, if you stop there, you would think, well, my goodness. I mean, shouldn't the one bag person have to do five bag work? Why is he getting by with one bag? Why does the other guy only get two bags? And this other guy, he gets five. What, what's the deal in all of this? Because that last phrase is a reminder, each according to his ability. So when we feel we're not enough, sometimes what we do is we make a standard based upon somebody else's ability or our idea of what somebody else's ability is, as opposed to who we are right now in the moment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, and talking about giving, it says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God measures us on our giving, not based upon here some arbitrary, somebody saying, you ought to give more, you need to give more. It's like, what do you want to, what do you decide? What have you decided? 
What are you doing in your life? Are you become, becoming a person that God says, I see where you are. You're good where you are. With anticipation of what can be. <clears throat> well, here, let me give you the other truth. This is part of it. Growth is a part of life. So the reality is you're still learning. <clears throat> Do you know every parent starts out as a beginner? Y'all know that? When a baby's born, the firstborn, how many of y'all already had been, were already a mom and dad when you had your firstborn child? It's a trick question. Y'all have to listen. None of us. And then they send you home from the hospital with that child that's helpless and expect you to keep that baby alive. When you're trying to figure that, what happens when that baby cries in the middle of the night and you're not sure why they're crying? We've changed the diaper, we've given them a bottle, we've tried all kinds of things, and they're still crying. And because of that, we feel like we're not good enough as a parent because we're measuring ourselves based upon what it felt like when our parents were raising us, but our parents were beginners too. And the thing is, to figure out what matters in parenting usually takes raising them until they get grown, and then you go, oh, now I understand. That's why grandparenting, if you can skip parenting and go straight to grandparenting, I would recommend it. Because we're, we're growing and we're learning and that process. And so when we feel like we're not good enough, what, what we're doing to ourselves is saying we should already be 100% what we ought to be as a parent, as a son or a daughter, as a, as a grandparent, as, as a follower of God. That we should already be 100% instead of we're growing and we're learning and we're finding out how things are. And because in all of that, we know that we have to crave that it is. 1 Peter chapter 2, 2 and 3. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. That you can grow up. We grow. There is never an age where you have stopped growing spiritually. Well, there is never an age where you, we should stop growing spiritually. Growth is the natural part of life. And where you are today is not, God willing, where you'll be in five years. Because you'll have experiences in life. You'll learn more. You'll grow more. You'll be able to apply more. And you'll figure some things out that you haven't figured out today. And that's part of life. So our part of wrestling with not being good enough sometimes or not being enough is that we have to step back and realize, well, it's because I'm just learning. I'm just figuring this out. I, I, there are some things I don't understand. Another truth. You are God's child in Christ. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, See what great, great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Sometimes when we think of ourselves as not enough, we're thinking that our, we have to be enough to be accepted, as opposed to knowing that God sees us as His sons and His daughters. That in Christ, we are His. And now, for the parents, for grandparents, when you, when you look at your children, do you think, now when you get good enough, then maybe I'll claim you. Or do you claim them as your children? Do you love them where they are as they're learning and growing, even when they make mistakes, even when they do think, when we do things that are boneheaded, whenever we struggle in our lives? Do we ever think, no, I don't want you anymore? However, we say, this is my son, this is my daughter, I'm going to love them. And God looks at us as sons and daughters. And so when we think about not being enough, sometimes what we've forgotten 
is how God loves us, that we have that picture that we need to grab a hold of and say, yeah, I'm growing, but I tell you, I have a Father who loves me. I, I think our, our challenge is, uh, is something. In 1982, you know, back when we rode in covered wagons and all that kind of stuff, um, in, in 82, there was a movie that came out that was based on an autobiography of a singer from Canada who was blind. And, and it showed him. When he was younger, he had no fear of anything. I mean, his, ki- his friend would put him in the driver's seat of the car, and they would go down the road, and he did not drive slow. And his friend was telling him, left, right, whatever, you know, and I'm thinking, I, this was a dangerous thing. He, he would do all kinds of things, no fear. It's like he lived his life as if he wasn't blind. Until he got married, and his wife and he had a daughter who was a toddler. And his wife had left the house to go do something and left him with their child. No big deal. She managed to get out of the house, into the backyard, and fell into the swimming pool. And all of a sudden, he's, he's panicking. And he, he, he realizes she's got to be out there. And he starts to swim. And, in the, of course, in the movie, they show her there in the water and him swimming. trying to, And he finds her, does mouth-to-mouth, resuscitates her. His wife comes home about then, and she's crying. And he, he breaks down. And for the first time in his life, he felt blind. no. He felt helpless because he was blind. His confidence was gone. And I think that's what happens to us. We realize that we're blind. That we're weak. That we've made so many mistakes. And then we look at that and tell ourselves we're helpless. I can't. I haven't been what I need to be. But we act like our hope is based upon our ability to take care of everything. The truth is, the truth is, God God gives us confidence, not because we're enough and we're able, but because of who He is. First John chapter 5, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. When we feel not enough, it's sentences like this that we go, I don't know. When the truth is, Because of what God has done in Christ, he says, we know we have eternal life. We can be confident because we have help. We have the one who saves us. We have the one who gives us strength. We have the one who is there for us all along and gives us hope in this life. And we need him for that. Our hope is not in us being good enough. Or enough, or strong enough, or smart enough. Our hope 
is in a God who is faithful to his promises to his son. You need some prayers to help you to believe what's true about what God says about you. You need somebody to hold on to you because you struggle with being not enough. Maybe this morning you're ready to go ahead and give yourself to Christ. Be buried with him in baptism. Start brand new. You need to respond. Would you come now as we stand and sing?